You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Espinal, the pinch hitter, and he drives this one down the left field line, and McCoy will score. Shock, disgust, happiness, sweat, <laughs> a little bit of lust, baby. Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. What a big day. What a big day for the show. What a big day for all those in listener land out there. Kids are going back to school. Mm. Teachers are going back to work. Halford and Bruff are back on your radio. What a day. We got a great guest list today. This is a special one for A-Dog. Because A-Dog has done a great job of booking over the last month or so, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Just guest after guest, hit after hit after hit. All he does is make hits. Today at 8.30, a 16-time Grammy winner. Maybe the greatest music producer of all time. Very special guest of yours. David Foster is going to join us. So there's that. So He produced that, too. (laughs) One of his biggest hits. Why do why do we have David? Why is David Foster talking to us? Don't ask. We're not a sports show anymore. We, we don't we just transitioned out of sports. Yeah. We're just in talking to cool people. Now. I'm only That's booking it. music guests now. No, but seriously, there is a sports tie-in. So his foundation, the David Foster Foundation, is the official charity of choice for the Labor Cup, which is oh, coming up okay. later in September. Oh, yeah. He loves tennis. His son-in-law is Tommy Haas, former German. He's not former. He's a current. German, but former <laughs> German tennis pro, number two in the world he got to, Tommy Haas. Okay. So David Foster is going to join us at 830. Um, that'll be a lot of fun. Very much looking forward to talking to him. Eight o'clock, Ryan Divish from the Seattle Times. He is a Mariners beat writer. He's going to be joining us to talk about the M's still in a playoff position following a weekend, a long weekend in which I think everything sports-wise for us went right. I don't think it's ever happened before. I'm going to go through the list after you get done with this. 7.30, Mike Tannier is going to join us, our NFL insider from The Messenger. We'll talk to him about everything that's going on in the NFL, and I want to talk to him about Deion Sanders. Because while I did not watch college um, I was awake and alert and had social media, and that's all I saw Mm -hmm. on Saturday. Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders. University of Colorado. The first time I've ever cared about University of Colorado football. Didn't they upset TCU? They did. Right. And Dion had a post-game interview and then a post-game presser, Mm -hmm. which just went viral, like, instantly. So we'll talk to Mike about that. It's it's actually funny what he's done with that program because he's 
he basically went in there, and it's weird because it's college sports, and he's like, you're all fired, yep. including he, the players. He gutted the whole thing. Yeah. And they won the first game. Uh, so 7.30, Mike Tannier is going to join us to talk about all that. 6.30, Alvin Williams is going to join us, former Toronto Raptor, now a color analyst for Sportsnet. They're on the call for the FIBA World Cup, him and Dan Schulman. We will talk to him about Canada basketball. We're going to get into Canada basketball a little bit more in what happened, but they are on their way to the Olympics for the first time since 2000. After a big win against Spain, they've got Slovenia next. By the way, uh, if you're so inclined, you can watch USA and Italy playing in the FIBA World Cup quarterfinals right now on Sportsnet. Uh, Alvin's going to join us at 6.30 to talk about what Canada did and what's next for Canada. So, the guest list, working from top to bottom. 6.30, Alvin Williams. 7.30, Mike Tanier. 8 o'clock, Ryan Divish. 8.30, David Foster. What a show. Without any further ado, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools. Online at bccsa.ca. Okay, I'm going to go through all the good things that happened this weekend because it's actually rare. You know, like our sports teams, they sometimes disappoint, but not this weekend. Okay. Canada qualified for the Olympics in basketball. Give me a hot take, Horn. That was the biggest <laughs> story of the weekend, and we'll talk about it a lot more on the show. But yep. that that's not all. The BC Lions beat Montreal, which they were expected to do. But hey... Credit to the Lions. They bounced back after that very, very disappointing loss to Laddie's Hamilton Tiger Cats. We were there. And then actually lost two in a row. So they bounced back. But there was a CFL bonus. The Bombers lost in Regina. So that means that the Lions picked up a game on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers for first place in the division. Feels like everything's going our way. The Vancouver Whitecaps, they didn't win, but they got a draw at New York City. Do they not call them NYFC anymore? It's just NYC. NYC. I think NYC. they. I think it's just NYC now. Okay. But NYC FC. Whatever. For, for the for the MLS faithful like myself, we okay. call them NYC FC. Um, At Yankee Stadium. And because of a result in the Seattle Portland match, the Whitecaps also won the Cascadia Cup. It's a thing. In the process, wearing my hat this weekend. Is that a big deal? Uh, no, no. Okay, but they won <laughs> the Cascadia Cup. Uh, which is a competition basically between uh, Vancouver, Seattle, and Portland and the best combined record of all their That's games. the Pacific Northwest Trophy. Think of it that way. Hey, you know what? Take it. We'll take it. Yep. We'll take the Cascadia Cup. Uh, so the Whitecaps on the seven-game stretch away from BC Place, they've won two and they've drawn one. They got four left, but so far so good for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays... Won three of four. Now, that sounds great, and we're going to say it's great for the narrative, Mm -hmm. uh, but they made it look pretty difficult in the process against some pretty bad teams. But, hey, three of four. Wins are wins. Three of four for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, The Seattle Mariners are still in a playoff spot, and we'll talk about them later on in the show. Um, Maybe this doesn't mean a lot to you, but we're going to take it anyway. The Washington Huskies pumped. Boise State, 56-19. 
and Michael Penix. I believe it's pronounced Penix. 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 Had a big day, uh, becoming the first player in school history to throw for 400-plus yards and five touchdowns in a game. There is a possibility that Penix can win the Heisman or at least be a finalist for the Heisman, which is pretty cool stuff considering he's playing just a few hours down the road. Husky Stadium. And I'm just going to throw this in for fun. Nick Bosa still hasn't signed in San Francisco, and it's expected his holdout is going to last into the regular season. So, what, I mean, am I missing anything else? No, we even got the classic Halford and Bruff schadenfreude in there with the Nick Boza thing. Yeah. Like not only did all our teams win, someone else's team suffered, and we got to enjoy that, relish it. It was a Halford, It was truly a Halford and Bruff weekend, but we got to start with Canada basketball, dude. Yeah, we that was to. so that was the biggest news. Canada basketball, um, still alive at the FIBA World Cup. Tomorrow, and they'll play... Quarterfinals for them start tomorrow, and they'll play Slovenia. Um, The Americans are currently up 13 points on Italy in their quarterfinal match. The Americans, of course, not very happy about losing to Lithuania in their their last game. Lithuania is out now. They lost this morning to Serbia. Okay. So that was the first quarterfinal game, Serbia over Lithuania, and it looks like the Americans are going to beat the Italians. Um, Canada basketball. So let me put it this way. I was over on the Gulf Islands this weekend for the long weekend, and I didn't watch the game because uh, I was asleep. It's early. Started early. It was on a Sunday, too. I don't get many giddy sports texts from Mike Halford. Uh, he is dead inside uh, and sometimes um, too cool to be excited about sports because he's, you know, he's, he's seen it all. He's a man of the world. He's seen wins. He's seen losses. But I got one giddy sports text Sunday morning when Canada came back to beat Spain. And I am now going to interview Mike Halford about the big win. Hopefully you can give me some. Oh, that's a good question. Um, It did not look good for three quarters against Spain. And it was looking like Canada was going to go 3-0 in the first group stage and like, Everyone's talking about them. This is the year. They look incredible. Like the team has finally come together. It's got the most talent and they're going to qualify for the Olympics. And then they go into the next round and they lose to Brazil. And it's like, uh oh, wait a minute. We had a win or go home game against Spain. If we lose this, we're out. No Olympics. Another disappointment. Another choke for Canada basketball. Back to the drawing board for three quarters. They did not look good against Spain. How were you feeling at that point? Wow, that is a really good question, Jason. Thank you. Um, After three quarters, it was feeling terrible. Absolutely terrible. Someone, someone jackals on Twitter, reached out to the both of us and said, hey, look, the Halbro Jinx is alive and well. You guys jinxed Canada basketball. Yeah, you talked him up, got everyone excited, just like you've done in the past with, you know, the likes of the Vancouver Whitecaps. And then everyone gets excited. You talk about this great narrative and, and like, this is finally going to happen. And then the Halford and Brough Jinx. Just, it was, and it, and, it, and it cut me right in the middle, right, right in the heart, right down the middle of my torso because I was self aware enough. To acknowledge that I had done this in the past. Mm-hmm. I had gotten way too excited about way too many things. 
and then they just fell flat. Maybe that's why you're dead inside now, right? Perhaps. Like you don't you don't get excited anymore because you've been hurt too many times, but you allowed yourself to get excited about this. So what was honestly what was going on in the game? Like what wh- why was why was why did Canada look bad? I mean, it's <laughs> at this stage of the tournament, a lot of the the weaker nations have been kicked out and they're all good teams. Spain was the number 1 ranked team in FIBA coming in. So yes, it's not the old Spain that had like five or six NBA players yeah. that they could go to. They're still a really tough team. They're still the number one ranked team in the world. They're the reigning FIBA World Cup champions. They're a good team. That they're plain and simple. They know how to play FIBA basketball. And Canada didn't really defend with the kind of intensity and output. By that I mean like limiting points right. for long stretches. Mm-hmm. They, I mean the game got away from them twice. They were down ten. They battled back. They were down twelve going into the fourth quarter. And at that point, I thought, mm, they've let it slip for too long, and they're not going to be able to make up this big of a gap in the fourth quarter. So what were Dan Shulman and uh, Alvin Williams saying on the broadcast? Because we're going to talk to Alvin in, in, in just a few minutes. They did a really good job of um, highlighting and portraying the state. An intense basketball game. Yeah. Probably the most intense basketball game you're going to get outside of the NBA. All due respect to March Madison, whatever. Um, and Spain was playing for its tournament life, too. They were right? both on yeah. the precipice of we either go to the quarterfinals into the Olympics or we're going home, right? So it was a big deal. And they did it. You know, the funny thing is, is like the camera work at this tournament, they actually let the cameras get in the huddles. So they were in Canada's huddle. You could hear word for word everything they were doing on defense to come out and try and stop I heard them the in the German huddle, too. <laughs> yeah, that was different. Not as good. Little controversial. We can get to that later. But um, so Alvin and Dan were doing this great job of setting up literally every possession and the stakes and what was going to happen. And they they knocked the call out of the park. They were mm-hmm. great. But I mean, what happened is two things: Shea Gilgis Alexander and Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks was something else in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he's having a nice little reputation turnaround after. His embarrassing performance in yeah. the NBA playoffs. So the the interesting thing here is that the head coach, Jordi Fernandez, after they lost to Brazil, mm-hmm. he called all these guys out by name. Said, Shea's got to do this, this, and this, and he didn't do it. We're not going to win if he doesn't. And then with Dylan Brooks, the one thing he said is he's got to be able to defend and defend at a high level without fouling. Because that was the problem that they were running into um, when they had dips in games yeah. is you can be physical in FIBA basketball. But you can't be too physical. You have to find that line. And you can't be a habitual line stepper. You so, can't. So Shea made a bunch of big shots. Like, I still haven't you seen You would have loved it because he made a ton of free throws down right. the stretch. And, yeah. like, pure. No rim, nothing. Just swish, swish, swish. Mm-hmm. And that's what sealed the game away. There was two or three really big hoops. Shea had a couple of them. Dylan Brooks had a three down the stretch. And granted, you know, Spain missed a couple wide open looks. But that's you know that's basketball. That's basketball. They, they they did exactly what they had to do to eke out a win. It was a huge huge performance from Canada basketball. Couldn't be happier about it. So um, we've seen Canadian basketballs get lots of attention in the past. Uh, Steve Nash won a couple of MVPs in Phoenix. Uh, Jamal Murray um, just ran it, won an NBA championship with the Denver Nuggets, maybe as their second best player. Has Shea had his? coming out moment because he plays for Oklahoma City. So correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think he's played in the playoffs yet, has he? They were in the play-in last year, if you want to do count that, as no. the 10 seed. No. 
No. Um, he has not had a big singular moment because yeah. of where he's played. Is he? That I'm, not, said, I'm not saying he's underrated. Well, because no, he had a breakout year last year. His first team All NBA. Right. Okay. So he was. We went and saw him play actually. Yeah, uh, but that that doesn't matter. No, but I'm saying. No, I know. It's, it, you, it's, you it were sets saying, up an anecdote. Yeah. Okay. Right. So uh, <laughs> the kids wanted to go see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Right. Right. The Clippers. Yeah. They they knew those guys, and I kept telling them, I'm like, well, there's a guy on. OKC mm-hmm. called Shea Gilgis Alexander, and he's Canadian and he's awesome. He's and like, the kids were like, that name is too hard. Yeah. Why is it hyphenated? I'm like, there's lots of them now. That the English national team is all hyphenated names. Yeah, you just yeah, have yeah. to deal with it. Um, anyway, you we watched them and he just kept scoring and scoring and scoring and scoring. And I, they were like, wow, like he's amazing. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's too bad he plays in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I don't like that he plays for OKC. First of all, because they stole the Sonics. Yeah, and that's the never cheer for Oklahoma City. Nice but for us. like, where where are they right now? I know they, I know they got a they're they're in a rebuild phase, and Shea is part of that. They they accelerated it last year. They went from being like one of the dead worst teams in the NBA, like twenty twenty five wins, to they won forty games last year. They made the play in tournament. They want they they're good. Right. They're young. They mm-hmm. have. Uh, it's funny. Shea's twenty four. And he's the oldest guy of the core guys that, that play a lot. Like Josh Giddy's 20, Lou Dort's 23, Jalen Williams is 21. But um, so the, the only reason we're talking about OKC so early in the morning, um, I think it's because, one, they've got Shea. But, two, they have four first-round picks this year and four first-round picks the next year. Yeah. They're going to make all those picks or are they going to actually do something with Well, I mean, they've accelerated the rebuild, right? So, listen, we can talk more about – Canada basketball with Alvin Williams coming up in about 15 minutes. But for you, um, is it mission accomplished for you? Great, like, great question, Jason. Oh, thank you. Like, you know. like, do, or do you, do you care about the rest of this tournament? I do. They, they, they could, they could win this thing. Although, I mean, the other thing is like, do you just want a game against the Americans? Yeah, but it won't be till the final. Now it, it could have been in the semifinal had the draw worked out, but it right. won't be. So it, now, personally. Mike Alfred, which is the most important thing. Um, I 100% want and think Canada can win this thing. Yeah. They have the talent. And now you look at what they've done. I mean, in this tournament alone, they've beaten two of the top five teams in the world, according to FIBA's rankings. Mm-hmm. Spain was number one. France was number five. And they've qualified for the Olympics. So having said that, I can understand why they might just be okay. Why the tournament might have been over on Sunday. Because you saw the... Like response, right? Yeah. Like They're Powell so was happy. Powell was crying in the dressing room, and they were showering Jordy Fernandez with water, like they had won the championship. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, some good audio. I don't know if we're going to get the time to play it of Kelly Olynyk getting really emotional talking about the last time that candidate to the Olympics, and he was in his he was in his aunt's living room watching the game. Well, it was and, 2000. Yeah, it was, it was over 20 years ago. So, so, and you know what? For me, this makes. The Summer Olympics, ten times more watchable for me. Yeah, I'm not a big Summer Olympics guy. I have to admit it, right? Like I, I'll, I'll get into certain events, and I guess I'll be into the hammer throw. Love the hammer throw. This year, I always watch the, you know, the hundred meter dash, you know, because I want to see who's the fastest guy on the planet, and it doesn't take up that much time. Um, nice. yeah, but like quick. for the most part, you know, I'm I don't watch swimming. I don't watch like any aquatic events. Like for me, I don't know. Like it just—it's just not really my thing. If it's your thing, great. Enjoy the sailing. Mm-hmm. But this makes it like having Canada there with like a high-profile team with a chance 
to win a medal, maybe even a gold medal, if there's an upset of the Americans, the Summer Olympics all, all of a sudden becomes like big for me. Yep. And it's great because we just went through a summer like that, let's be honest, there wasn't much going on. Like the, there really wasn't. We had no, um, you know, I mean, there was a Women's World Cup, but the, the, the Canadian women did not play well at all and they were out early. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in a completely different time zone too, so that made it challenging mm-hmm. that it was down in Australia and New Zealand. What else was there? Next year, we're going to have the Olympics. We're going to have uh, the Euros and soccer right before those Olympics. So there's actually going to be some cool stuff happening next summer. And the Canadian basketball team playing in that tournament, which is, let's be honest, it's the most high-profile tournament yeah, the Olympics, right? Like yeah. it's basketball in the Summer Olympics and it's hockey when the NHLers are there at the Winter Olympics. At least it is for us. Uh, so that that makes it so much better for the Olympics. Uh, the BC Lions are back to controlling their destiny in the CFL West. And that's because they bounced back on Labor Day weekend. Well, they played on the Saturday against Montreal. Um, I guess Ottawa got the bye week. Yes, that's great. I was trying <laughs> running, week, running through like, all the teams who played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lions can play Montreal. Um, they beat the the Montreal Alouettes, um, and they should have beat the Montreal Alouettes, but they should have beaten Hamilton, and they played awful against Hamilton. So they bounced back and got a win in that one. And maybe more importantly, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers lost to Saskatchewan in the Labor Day Classic in Regina. Now, this week, the Bombers get their rematch with the Riders in the Banjo Bowl. Back-to-back Banjo Bowl In bowls. Winnipeg. No, the Banjo Bowl is only the one in Winnipeg. Come on, buddy. You can't call them both Banjo No, bowls. no, no. The Banjo Bowl is the one in Winnipeg. Okay. There's yeah, a history come on, there. Mike. There's yes, a history everybody knows there. that. <laughs> I just thought um, it was the two teams playing was a wh- Banjo Bowl. While the Lions have a bye week before hosting 3-8 and eight Ottawa on Saturday, September 16th, I'm still looking ahead to that game, Winnipeg at BC on October 6th. And before last weekend's games, I was kind of thinking, well, that game on October 6th at BC Place might not even matter because the Lions were two games behind Winnipeg. Now they're one game back of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And if they beat the Bombers, if that game was this weekend and BC beat the Bombers, BC would be in first because they'd have the tiebreaker. Uh, right now, it's looking like it's going to be a huge game. Hopefully, it stays that way. Also, uh, did you see the Elks? They're back. They blew a pretty big lead Yeah, in Calgary uh, in the Labor Day Classic yesterday. I don't know what the score was, but... 35-31. They, they had outscored 22-3 no. quarter. Okay, yeah. What was the score? No, no, no. I, uh, what was the score when, like, what was Edmonton leading by? It was 28 13. They're on okay. 15. Yeah. Yeah. And Calgary, Calgary, like, the fans in Calgary were booing the Stamps. Like, they were not happy with the Stamps' performance. And it was looking like, it was looking like, frankly, like Calgary was going to be the worst team in the division, not Edmonton, even though Edmonton started the season 0 and 9 and they had this crazy losing streak at home that dated back years. Uh, but the Elks are back, baby. They blew the lead to Calgary, uh, and Calgary ended up winning the game. Uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps, we mentioned earlier, two wins and a draw in their first three of seven straight road matches. Um, one all draw at New York. We won't talk too much about the game. No problem. It was very boring. Okay. <laughs> it was not good. Ryan Gold scored on a PK? Yeah. 
uh, in which he got taken down to win the PK. And I still can't believe that they play games at Yankee Stadium. Like, I know it's been a thing for a while, but it is, it's a ridiculous field. It's 70 yards wide. So, like, the edges of the 18-yard box. They're are, building a new stadium, right? Yeah, they yeah. are, but they're still playing games there. Like, yeah. you watch it, and it's like the guys just look up and they realize they're out of room yeah. all the time. It's 110 yards so, long like by the Boston 70 Garden. If the Boston Garden was cut in half. <laughs> so narrow. Like, the 18-yard box, the edge of it is really close to the touchline. Mm-hmm. And it's like everyone just is like, yeah, this is just what we do here. So it's, it makes for a real choppy game. It wasn't a good game at all, but whatever. But they got a point. Two yeah. wins and a draw in the first three. Remember we went into this and we were like, God, are they, are they going to win any games? Because they've been so bad on the on the road. And I think this represents like the team is better now than it was at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. The team is a, it's a pretty good team. Yep. Uh, so there's an international break now. Uh, so the Whitecaps can come home. And uh, there's an international break. Like there's Euro qualifying. Uh, over in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, but Canada will not be part of this international break for budgetary reasons, I assume. Meanwhile, the Americans have four friendlies booked in the September and October international windows, including a friendly against Germany. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mexico, the the other team, which apparently Canada is on par with in CONCACAF, they also have four friendlies, including games against the Germans and the Aussies. Canada plays once. They have one friendly against Japan on October 13th, and that's it. And, oh, by the way, they don't have a coach yet. Like that's, that's where Canada's program is at. They essentially cannot afford to book friendlies. Meanwhile, uh, their rivals in CONCACAF, the Americans and the Mexicans, they seem to be doing just fine. It's a completely wasted uh, window, international window for Canada. It's completely wasted. And, I mean, all the, it's great that they're going to play Japan on the 13th of October, right? But they played Japan quite recently. It was one of the lead-ups to the World Cup. So it's not even like a new, unique opponent for the national squad or its players to test itself against another team that has that World Cup caliber. It's not good. It's not a good situation. And by the way, uh, John Herdman, who recently departed the Canadian men's national team, uh, his Toronto FC will be hosting the Whitecaps when the Whitecaps return to action on September 16th. However, Herdman won't be coaching then. He doesn't take over until October 1st. So the, the Whitecaps avoid the inevitable Herdman bump that's coming later on down the road. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Our next guest has won... 16 Grammys. He is in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame, the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. His foundation is the charity of choice for the upcoming Laver Cup, which is going to be held at Rogers Arena in a couple weeks' time. Joining us now, very excited to have him on the program, David Foster here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, David. How are you? Good morning, guys. I'm good. Really good. 
Uh, it's great to have you on the show. We're very excited about this. We have a lot of questions we want to ask you, but we should, given that this is a sports talk radio show and a sports station. Start with the sports part. Do the obligatory yeah. sports okay. thing to begin with. So <laughs> the connection between David Foster and tennis, I did not realize that there are multiple connections. Can you let our listeners know how big a tennis fan you are and how your foundation became involved with the Labor Cup? Well, sure. I, I thought actually we were going to talk about my career which was cut short. You know, I played 11 years with the Canucks, mm-hmm. um, two years with St. Louis, and uh, no, that's not true. I remember the trade no. to St. Louis. Very controversial. <laughs> we were saving that for the back end of the interview, but what the hell? Let's go for it. Sorry. No, I was just mentioning because my, my sister Ruth called me. She said, I hear you're going to be on the radio. She loves the Canucks. Like, she's crazy for them. She said, you better talk about my Canucks. So I love the Canucks, too. Anyway, we'll move on from that. But, uh, yeah, my tennis career is uh, – uh, you know, I love to play tennis. And my son-in-law is a incredible tennis player named Tommy Haas, who's a former uh, number two in the world. Uh, and uh, he introduced me to, to Roger Federer. And, uh, and, and I just followed tennis. Every, you know, he started playing in the year 2000. So I started following uh, the circuit and just had loved it. I'm sure you hit with Tommy Haas once in a while. What, what was that like to just see how good these guys are and how hard they can hit the ball? You know, it's phenomenal. And guys like Roger and Tommy, who are Roger and Tommy happen to be good friends. Uh, they, they'll, when they play socially, at least my experience has been, they'll play just enough to make you feel like you can play. And, and, and you think, wow, I actually got a point, but you actually didn't get a point. They just make you think you got a point. <laughs> right. Um, let's talk about, the, the the similarities between uh, great musicians and great athletes. Where do you think it starts? I think it's the same process. You know, I mean, I, I, I you've done enough interviews. You know that you you probably talk to every meaningful athlete in the world. You guys, um, you know, it starts with that just burning, burning desire. Like there's just nothing going to stop you. I guess the epitome would be we talk about our friend uh, Wayne, who's been a lifelong friend of mine, Wayne Gretzky. And, you know, at four, he made his grandmother, you know, put up the goalpost so he could shoot in the living room and made his dad freeze the backyard and, and it just couldn't get enough and had to be dragged in every night. And I was kind of the same way with music. Um, you know, it just became, it just became such a passion and, and, and it wasn't work and you never know where it's going to take you. I certainly didn't imagine that I'd end up, you know, touring the world and, and be in Hollywood and, blah 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 all that stuff but you just do it because you love it and then the 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 bonus is when you get to have a career filled with with um you know success did your parents ever have to push you um i I wasn't crazy about taking classical piano lessons so yeah they would they would push me for that but they in general didn't have to push me by the time i was 12 i was in a band and i was making money and doing weddings and you know sort of hustling and and, uh, yeah, no, they never really pushed me. My father was musical. Uh, my mother was not. I never heard ever my mother even whistle in the house or let alone sing. But um, she knew that, you know, I had something. And uh, thank God they they backed it, you know. Did you ever, like, where did you get it from? Where I, I always love talking to people that have these tremendous talents and they show through at such an early age. And, you know, there's there's all sorts of studies on like, what is it? Is it practice? Is it 10,000 hours of practice? Is it is it is it God given? Like, what was it like for you? Do you even remember the first time you, you know, walked up to a piano and like, did did it just make sense to you? 
it just made sense here, and that's a great way of putting it. But also, as I said, my father was an amateur musician, and he was good. And he patiently would teach me songs at the piano when I was six and seven and eight. And then I had a great uh, band teacher, and I can't stress, I guess this would be the equivalent in sports of a great athletic teacher who would just take an interest in you. And our band teacher, his name was uh, Bob Bergeson, took an interest in me, saw that I had something, and allowed me to to um, change instruments every three months in the whole in the course of like five years of school. Hmm. And so I, I learned to play every instrument, not well, but I learned to play them as good as anybody else. And so I had a, by the time I had left school, which was sadly in the 11th grade, um, I had a working knowledge of, of every instrument, thanks to him. Uh, on the subject of natural talent and a gift for music, I, this might be a big uh, question, but who uh, of the artists that you work with had the most natural talent? I guess the God-given talent. The I've saw it in so many. I mean, the the, the I guess the well, I mean, I'm thinking about Celine. Celine had this natural ability from such a young age. Um, your very own, our very own Michael Bublé right there in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. um, the guy just came out swinging. I mean, he just just had that swing. Now, he, he credits his grandfather for teaching him about music. He, he said that his grandfather had this trick where he would say, son, I'm not going to be around, uh, sunshine, I'm not going to be around that long, so if you just learn this song for me this week. And, of course, he lived to be 90 years old, so <laughs> Michael got this whole catalog of music from trying to please his grandfather. Uh, and then Whitney, who didn't seem to be trained at all, Whitney Houston, she would just step up. She would come into the studio, rip her jacket off, step up to the mic, and like a laser beam, just go, like like a racehorse. It was amazing. Is there a difference between being a great musician and being a great performer? Well, for sure there is, and just as a as a testament to that, and in my own little story, um, I was in Ronnie Hawkins' band uh, with B.J. Cook, and and um, I got fired because. He said, you're like a damn cadaver up there. Says, you don't move. You don't, you don't do anything. You're out of my band. Leave. And and, and that was a good lesson for me that, that, hey, you know, I'm a great player. But Ronnie Hawkins knew the difference. He, he said, I don't care how good you play. If you can't look like you're having fun, um, then you're out of my band. So I think I acquired uh, a knack for being a performer. Actually, again, through sports. Mm -hmm. I became good friends with, uh, with Andre Agassi. And uh, Andre used to have these fundraisers every year in Vegas back maybe 25 years ago. And um, and he allowed me to be the host every year. And we had every act on, like, I mean, I, gosh, Santana and, and Barbara Streisand and, and, and everything in between. And I got to host every year. And I sort of honed my skills as a quote-unquote performer. And, you know, I don't sing, so... Now I have to perform in order to entertain anybody. Right. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I just, I kind of feel like in some ways the performance angle doesn't get as much respect as the musical angle. But, you know, I spent a lot of my times on YouTube looking back on old concerts like Freddie Mercury at Wembley. Mm is a spectacle it's a performance did he have a great voice yeah was he a great was, was he a great musician of course but there was something that brought him like there's not many people out there that can command a performance in front of a hundred thousand people who was the best at it that you saw you're right and it's the difference between command and demand some people try to demand 
an audience participation and then others just command it. You know, there's certain people, and, and you know this in, in, in your guys' work, there's certain people that just walk in the room and they suck all the air out of the room. Yeah. You just don't know why. And they, if you're going to a party and you know that, uh, you know, Roger Federer is going to be there, you can tell with, that he's in the room even if you don't see him. Mm-hmm. And conversely, you can tell when he's left the party even though you don't see him leave. And that's that real, real star power. And, yeah, Freddie was a great singer. And I, I wouldn't say he was a great musician. I mean, not on turn, not not like a classical musician. Right, right. But he, he was a really good musician. But he was an incredible delivery. delivery. He had an incredible delivery system. And that's what I think... That's why kids, I think, bought into all the classical parts of his music because he had such a great delivery system. We're speaking to David Foster here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Yes, that David Foster. Yes, on Sportsnet <laughs> yes, 650. believe it or not, yeah. on our uh, show. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny. When we do the sports music crossover and try and do the shoehorning in the comparisons, one of them that I always found interesting was uh, how you measure success in music. Because in sports, it's pretty simple, right? It's you win you lose, you make a lot of money doing it, or you don't make a lot of money doing it. Do you equate making hits and making money? Well, yeah, but let me ask you guys a question. Like, sure. you say it's easy to, to equate in sports, but how does, like, how do you tell with, like, let's take our Canucks. How do you tell, like, who's, who's the, you know, it's a team effort. So is somebody monitoring every skate, every, you know, are they keeping track of everything that everybody does out there, and that's how they figure out whether a guy's worth his salary or not. I, I, I'm asking because I don't know. They uh, try. <laughs> people absolutely yeah. try. Yeah, there's lots of people that are trying to quantify it down to what player gives you what production for what dollar, but that's one of the great debates that we have in sports all the time is that there's a certain numerical value that can put on everything, and then there's the great intangible. That you can't, right? It's right. that sometimes a team just clicks for no particular reason. Or conversely, a team that you think is going to be great falls short. Nobody has an answer. Or, or, why. or a guy will take less money to be on this certain team because he wants to be part of that team. And to go to another team, it would take more money because he doesn't really want to be part of that team. Right. So they, I know that they, obviously they do count the on-ice, off-ice time, which I guess is more important than people would give a credit for. Mm-hmm. Like, are you on the ice when the goal, goal is scored? That counts, right? Well, sort of. Yeah, it, it does. Let, less so than, than maybe it used to be. But it really comes down to a negotiation based on what other guys around the league have done with similar numbers or similar uh, subjective um, points to it. it. It comes down to a negotiation, essentially. Right. But you would agree that, as in music, charisma plays a part in sports. Totally. Yeah, for sure, because a lot of the times a certain guy, if he has charisma, will have more value to the team from an economic perspective. Yep. If there's someone who's got a lot and, of charisma. And as a leader. That, and, as a leader. That, and he's a leader. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a big and one. That, yeah. And that's actually a big conversation with the Canucks right now. We don't really know who their leader is. Well, you know, there's me. There's you, yeah. <laughs> well, ever since you got traded to St. Louis, the team has been in a tailspin, you know. Um, so, But to answer your question, I did equate a lot with hits, uh, Grammys, and 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 then money. But it, it does run deeper than that. And, and now in my older age and, and supposed wisdom, I know that I can't let, you know, Grammys define me or hits define me. And, you know, when you're younger, you're like, God, I got to have another hit. I got to have another hit. I got to have another hit. And it's just, it's just not that way anymore. And I don't like to rest on my laurels. I'm still working. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your life shifts. You don't 
you know, I don't write top 40 hits anymore, but I try to still be, um, you know, successful. And I'm right now I'm writing a Broadway musical, which is uh, going to Chicago, opening in Chicago on November 30th. And, you know, that's another layer of hopefully success, um, but certainly different than, than getting a Grammy or writing a hit record. David, let me ask you a question that we've discussed a few times. It's one of my favorite questions to ask. Um, when it comes to music, and we have this conversation with sports all the time, is ego a good thing or a bad thing? Um, well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I need to look up the difference between ego and narcissist. Well, because yeah, they can narcissism. be related. Yeah, and narcissism is a bad thing. Unless, you, unless you're just so good and you're so incredible that you can pull it off and everybody will hate you, but they still have to have you because you're that good. Right. Even though Ronnie Hawkins didn't have me. Um, <laughs> but um, of course, I mean, I know I'm good. I mean, you can't have the level of success that I've had and not be good. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and, and when I tour Asia, which is frequently, um, and it's a whole different game over there. I play, I can play for, well, we just got back and, you know, I did like two nights in Jakarta in Indonesia, 8,000 people a night. And because they love songwriters and they love the people behind the scenes. So if I wanted to be a real egomaniac, I just moved to Southeast Asia. <laughs> but I, I like living in North America. So I think, yeah, you have to have your ego in check. But, you know, think about this. Think about somebody like Roger Federer. Like every single moment of every single day since he turned pro 25 years ago, somebody's pulling on his shirt every moment mm-hmm. that's, that's got to wear you down. I mean, I, I don't have that in my life. I don't have somebody pulling at me every second. Like some of the people that you've interviewed and most of the people that I work with Madonna and, mm-hmm. and Whitney and, and, and even Michael Bublé, who's a huge star. We love him. They're pulling on you 24 seven. It's got to wear you down. I wonder sometimes how much resentment builds to the fans in either sports or music, right? Like the fans are the reason why you are rich, but you can also be like, God, they're annoying. <laughs> That's probably an age old dilemma. And, and um, but I think most sensible artists, again, like Michael, I'm talking about Michael Bublé a lot first, because he's amazing. Second, because I love him. And third, because he's from Vancouver. Huge Canucks um, fan. He, yeah. Oh, huge. And not a bad hockey player. He was back in the day. You know, um, yeah, he, he's got it in check. You know, he, he, it's tiring sometimes. I mean, even in my own little world of non-superstar, but when I toured, like you get to the dressing room and you're, um, oh, you got to meet and greet tonight. How many, oh, it's 80 people. Mm-hmm. And so you got to, you know, take the picture and smile and like, oh, and sign these a uh, hundred posters, will you? Because they're, <laughs> you know, that's for our don our special donors at the art center. And, right. you know, and it's, um, but I mean, good Lord. I mean, we have a great life, a great life. And we should never, ever, you know, you know, look. And you must have been able to have some such great conversations with some of the best musicians of our times. I mean, the parties that you've been to, the people that you've talked to. I I, I actually, you know, I was watching a a video of you on YouTube uh, yesterday and you were saying like one of your great strengths and one of the things that you always tell young musicians is you better get good at networking because if you don't, you're not going to make it. Yeah. And I'm wondering if it's the same in sports, but it's the hundred percent when I, when I teach it or give a class at UCLA or one of the universities or anywhere, just for some hungry songwriters, young songwriters, 
I ask them to, you know, what's the one word that defines how you're going to have success? And they, you know, they're all eager. They put up their hand. They go like, um, uh, dedication, uh, commitment. Uh, you know, they come up with all these adjectives. I said, no, the number one thing is networking. Like, right, I say, right here in this room, how many bass players are there? And you get three hands. How many singers are there? Six hands. Mm-hmm. How many people are engineers and have a little uh, studio at their, at their house? Four people. And I said, right in here, in this room of 400 people, there's hit records. Why don't you guys talk to each other? Yeah. Like, just talk to each other. You're in the same class, for God's sakes. It's funny. My my one piece of advice, for what it's worth, I don't have the success, but mm. I like when, when kids come out of university or something, they're always like, oh, I want to get the perfect job. They may not say that, but they often act like that. They're like, oh, I don't really want this job. And my advice is always just like, take a job, get out there, get started, because you're not going to do anything sitting at home, being on social media, you know, not talking to people. Just take a job and you don't know where it goes from them, but you better get started at some point. No, you're absolutely right. Like, why wouldn't you take a job sweeping the floor at the studio where you guys work right now? Why wouldn't you do that for, for $5 an hour, whatever? Why wouldn't you? Because yeah. one day, Michael, you, that's Michael on the line, right? Th- this is Jason, but yeah, Michael's here oh, as Jason, well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, one day, I'm Jason's going to like drink too much and not show up. Yeah. And they're going to look over at you and they're going to go, hey, have you ever been on the radio before? Well, get up there because we've got dead air if you don't do something. Yeah. And, and also, it'll be, you know, a, a break. And also, this place is a mess. Someone come in and sweep this place up. This is a disaster in here. It's, yeah, it's, it's a career opportunity Watch and a cleaning you. opportunity, which is great. So. You're going to get 100 requests now, hopefully. Um, that would be good. But but we're both on the same page. I mean, we, we both agree. Yeah. Um, the problem in music, I mean, like, I, I love watching the TV shows. American Idol and The Voice and America's Got Talent, you know, et cetera. And they're, they're great fun, but they're, they're entertainment shows. The reason why they haven't made any stars in a long, long time is because these kids come from the bedroom to the stage. Hmm. So, like, just like you say, they're on social media, they're making music in their bedroom, and then they get, you know, and they sing well, and they get accepted on the show, and then they want it to all unfold. They haven't done the hard work of playing in clubs and getting beer thrown on them and getting booed and playing to three people and getting fired from Ronnie Hawkins' band and touring in an old shit bus. Oh, you can't say that, sorry. That's fine. Crappy door. Um, touring in, in a bus. I mean, actually, I was the bus driver for Ronnie Hawkins, so at least he got that out of me. Oh, um, but am I am I right about that? And the same would be with sports. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike and I did shows like ten to ten to midnight on a Sunday, which is you know not prime time in the world of yeah. radio. But we just did it, and uh, we're still pretty bad. we're still bad at this. But uh, you know, at least we have <laughs> at least we get to talk with David Foster, and I'd like to thank you. Well, I uh, think you're really good, uh, even though you just looked me up yesterday because you didn't even know who I was. But that's I, okay. Are, are you kidding me? Uh, uh, here we go. Well, now we get, oh, we, we, go. we get three oh, minutes of Jason man. reciting your reciting 1988 your Winter Olympics. That's when 12-year-old Jason first got introduced uh, to David Foster. And, uh, and your lo- producer, Andy, his parents played on that record in the or in the Vancouver Symphony, That's which is yeah. a nice little touch. Yeah. No, yeah. A- Andy was... Is that because Calgary has no music? Is that why they had to, they had to, they had to call Vancouver? And they're like, ah, hey, it's Alberta. We don't have an orchestra here. Wait, what about the Calgary Flames, man? My dear friend Jim Trelevin, his son is the general manager, right? No longer. He's the he's the oh, GM. No he's, he's the GM Toronto of now. Toronto now. Yeah, so he's got even oh, more pressure on him cool. now. Yeah. I See, you know a lot of people. You can when you can say my dear friend Wayne, and my dear friend Jim, <laughs> and, uh, you know, 
Anyway, so you're I've networking. I've been around a long time. Hey, by the way, just a little aside, speaking of how things, you know, we talk about, you know, doing the hard jobs. When I was doing the 88 Winter Olympics, which is coming up on 40 years ago, right? 36 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, the line producer for that night, the, the broadcast, the opening ceremonies where I was going to play the song, the line producer, I couldn't, like the guy was so good. He was like, can I get you some coffee? Can I you know, drive over here and can you do this? And, and, and he was really just a working kid, almost a kid. It was Bob Iger. What? <laughs> yeah. Really? That yeah. is incredible. I, mean, I don't know what his position was, but it wasn't that high up. And he was so dedicated to the details. To me, who was just a nothing, a Canadian guy writing a song, mm-hmm. uh, and he can all, I, th- I thought, wow, that guy is amazing. That guy's going to be the CEO of Disney twice. <laughs> twice. <laughs> twice. Twice. Well, there's the message yeah. right there. Take a job, kids. Take a job. Okay. Yeah, you're D- absolutely right. David, we're up against it for time. Uh, this has been awesome. Thank you very much for joining us. Enjoy the Labor Cup in a couple weeks' time. Yeah, the Labor Cup, if it's open to people, you guys should come because it's going to be a lot of fun for tennis. I don't know how the ticket situation is, but come on down and, and have some, some great fun with the Roger Federer. Uh, Jason and Michael, thanks, guys. Thank you. David Foster, everybody, uh, on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.